everyone. Welcome to this week's Indie Artist Music Hustle with Blind Intelligence. I'm your host, Miss Ronnie, where I always seek to give you exquisite cranial repertoire. This week, we are having like a recap of what are they doing now. And our special guest is Angelo. Say hello to everyone. Hello, how are you doing? I'm finding you. So, from the last time you was on the show up until now, I want you to tell everybody what you have going on. Okay, so it's a great opportunity to grow. And um, Faithish was the first song that we had a detailed interview about. And that song now has two music videos and was a stepping stone to the latest part of the project with uh, the song Hopish, which is part of the Ish album that's mm-hmm. coming out April 15th. Okay. You talked a little bit about that album the last time that you were on. So what, um, I said, what step in the progress, I mean, what progress in your steps have you made towards the release? So a lot of great things have happened. Um, uh, First, let's start with the Hopish song. The Hopish song has a video that has gotten over 11,000 views in the last two weeks since it's been out. And it's getting a lot of progress for uh, expansion of the brand with Angelo B. But the Ish project is coming along great. All the songs are recorded now. And... Now it's time to mix and master. Um, there's 15 songs on the album and over eight features on the album. Okay. Features with who? So I have um, <clears throat> a group of people. Um, I come from a group called Motre. And they, at first, this was just a project that was going to be about 10 songs. And it was about inspiration, motivation, and classic R&B, all clean. That's still the thing, but as the song started to progress, people started to gain interest in the sound quality and the development of the movement. So when I a feature with Zeus Rebel Waters with Hopish, people were noticing that not only could you make a quality song that didn't have to have um, secular sounds but you also can make a song that's inspiring in a time where maybe their brand is maybe secular or gospel specific. And my brand is more kind of a hybrid of inspiration, but with classic R&B vibes. So I don't consider myself a gospel artist. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> myself an R&B artist that sings clean music. And some of the songs are directly inspirational but some of the songs are just good topics that talk about cheating, that talk about um, graduation, that talk about suicide prevention. And those features got attention from other surrounding St. Louis artists. <clears throat> so I went from what they heard with Ruckapuff, or I mean, sorry, Zeus, Rubber Waters, who used to be called Ruckapuff, to having a feature with Nico Smith, who is Izzy Smith's son, Hall of Fame St. Louis Cardinal mm-hmm. and uh, Nico just moved back to St. Louis and I saw him performing with this group called the Dirty Mugs and we talked about the record Island Away which is actually my debut single 
for the release of the album. And uh, he graciously said, hey, I like what I hear and I'd love to get on it with you. And so it kind of snowballed more people getting on the album, including my Mo Trade group members, JC mm-hmm. Santana. Um, one of the other girls from the Dirty Muzz, uh, Cassandra Lee, and also the producers of the actual sounds from the album, being Marlon Smith, who's also on two songs. And also, there's a feature with a saxophone player named Rhoda G, who's an amazing saxophone player. Mm-hmm. And uh, a guy Jay Barr, who used to be signed with R. Kelly um, about 20 years ago. And uh, that, that didn't go anywhere, but he has an amazing song with me as well. So there's a lot of great collaborations on the album. Okay. So tell me, how did you go about finding these collaborations and how did you know which person was going to fit where? The beautiful part about writing songs is when you listen to other people over the years. These are people I've known for years. Um, and knowing their styles and when I talk to them about the music it, it's just organically happened where I kind of knew what direction I feel like Quincy Jones in the Q's shoe joint you know that that album was amazing it had Tamiya had um, Secret Garden was on there there was just a lot of amazing songs mm-hmm. and that's how like the issues become it's basically become technically St. Louis all-star round number one you know with quality artists that have some type of buzz or have been in the industry for a while, but this is a different outlet for them where they were willing to get on because the quality of the sound and the direction of the music. So it was just easy to ask them and, you know, I mean, I, I treat everybody the same. I offer them, you know, a certain feature amount to to pay them for their talent because they're artists. And so I'll say, hey, I'll do it for free. I love it. Cover studio time. And some say, hey, $100 or, you know, whatever they felt like their worth was. But it all was affordable and they all delivered excellent verses to the songs. Okay. So I know the last time we talked, I asked you about the effect that COVID has had. This time I want to ask you about the effect on traveling for shows with gas prices soaring the way they are. How has gas prices impacted your live performances indirectly? I, I love the question. To be honest, I haven't gotten that far. The okay. studio is about 40 minutes from where I live, so where I record. <laughs> well, hey, it's still affecting something. I drive a 2021 Jeep Cherokee L, so it's like $80 to fill up one thing. <laughs> but when you're doing business, one, I have an LLC for my music and my rental property. So that's something I write off anyway. Um, But primarily, it's more so of, you know, when you have a mission to get things done, um, I I do record some things at home, which I prior, I couldn't record at home, but now have a computer where I can do some basic templates. And then I'm more prepared when I'm in the studio, as opposed to seeing on my phone or trying to figure out how I stack the song. I I pretty much have it layered before I get there. And uh, the efficiency of the studio time it's another job. There's no really downtime, either writing or getting copyrights. Or, but as far as traveling out for shows, the show element is actually about to begin with the ish, where 
the second Sunday of, sorry, the second Friday of each month going forth, I will have a live band and a show every second Friday of the month to not only do some covers, but to sprinkle the artists that are featured on the album with about 45 minutes of us singing and then doing the song we have together. So there'll be a theme night based on the record that I have with the artists each month. So how do you think gas prices are going to affect them then? A lot of them live centralized to the area, but, you know, St. Louis is not that bad of a travel. And mm-hmm. if you're making money when you're performing and you're charging tickets or you have live streaming, that's another option for the venue that I perform at. And a big feature of what I like to expand on um, with ARs, with radio stations, bloggers, giving them a chance to be involved so it can save efficiency on whether they like the quality to want you to come out to their shows and pay you to perform. <clears throat> okay, so my next question is, do you think that the live streaming performances really got a chance to catch on? Or do you think that was something that was like kind of created to curve the impact that COVID was having on the music industry. Do you think that with things getting better and people lifting mask mandates and different things like that and things kind of semi going back to normal, mm-hmm. do you think do you think that streaming actually really got a chance to streaming live performances actually got a chance to catch on? Streaming is about subscriptions. So if you give something different and a streaming subscription, whether it be HBO Max, whether it be Netflix. Streaming is now a way to reach out to people that can't normally be involved with crowds. People still, when they go to the movies, they still don't prefer to be in a crowd with people talking in the background, sneezing, coughing. So a concert is kind of similar. Just, you know, you have to get COVID tests and shots to even go to some concerts at this point. And so streaming allows people to have an entertainment in their home that is like almost like a karaoke night or a family game night. It's kind of become a new expectation uh, with the versus battles. And it, it really has really started its revolution. It's not over. It's, it's a new way of involving fans and the way of the future. In addition to live concerts, you can't take away live concerts, but streaming involves more people to be involved with the with the artist and feel safe. So you think that it's just it's just now getting started. You don't think that it has reached its full potential yet? Not at all. There's too many ways to watch things. You have you have live streams with videos, with TikTok. You have smartphones, tablets, smart watches. You know, even at the gym, you know, there's different options to do things that you couldn't do ten years ago, twenty years ago. The faster that the Wi-Fi connections get and 5G, then 6G, it allows people to watch things in live time without delays, lag, and they can enjoy something they maybe didn't have time to do because they're working overtime to pay these gas prices. <laughs> so live streaming. How much is gas where you're at? Uh, it just uh, it was 3.79 the other day, but I think it's 3.99. In some places, and St. Louis is cheap for gas compared to Illinois and California. So, 
Yeah, we're about the same right now. But um, I talked to a couple of people today that told me, I know I went to a town here in Arkansas and I had to stop and get gas. And it was three seventy nine here in Pine Bluff. And there it was already four twenty nine, And it was like the next city over. So I just feel like it's always something. So I know that people say that music is universal. Do you think that the events that's going on around the world is affecting music the same? Or do you think that people right now, especially with the, the mess that's going on in Ukraine, do you think that music is even a thought right now? So this is going to sound, I won't say bad, but it seems inappropriate, but it's one of the reasons that doing music is special. So YouTube gave me a campaign option to expand where I wanted the fan base of the music to go to when I released the video for Hopish. Mm-hmm. And in Ukraine happens to be 40.2% of the viewership. They are actually my top viewed country for the song. Mm-hmm. 30% in Brazil and 20% in the US and Dominican. So the fact is these people are still on their phones. They're still watching TV. And the fact that that's the highest viewership of a song called Hopish means that music is more needed now than ever. That's the way way I made the ish was to make a car ride or a workout or cleaning up your house. Just a straight, clean listen through of different topics that you you listen to six songs and you come back and you hear some more songs and you catch the energy of a different vibe throughout the album. And you don't have to worry about censoring around your kids or your mom or your grandma. You might like the beat of Megan Stallion, but the lyrics, I can't play that around my kid. That's not how the issue is. And so mm-hmm. there's a, a global a global warming of music. People want to categorize and make their playlists with Spotify. They want to make their, you know, they, they want music more than ever because music speaks to the soul. Mm-hmm. So... With all of this going on, how do you think that it's going to personally affect your logarithms? I believe that everybody has a brand, and I feel like rhythm and blues has always gone through changes where it's been disguised by different voices. You've had, you know, the 80s was when you had New Edition. In the 90s, you started getting the boy bands in the NSYNCs. And then in the 2000s, you had a small revolution of neo-soul and the mm-hmm. music color house. And, and then now, then you started getting the Justin Bieber's and the Robin Thicke's. Now it's getting back to where you saw the Super Bowl that you had Dr. Dre, Mary J. Blige, Snoop Dogg. TikTok and different venues have made old school, new school again. Because mm-hmm. we're hearing of songs that we heard in the 80s and the 90s that is old school for a lot of people so now people are like man I heard this 30 second TikTok of the song or I heard a sample from Megan Thee Stallion on a song that I that I heard before now they're researching the R&B side I feel like R&B is having a resurgence where people are wanting to see the originals of 
the art you'll you're starting to see that age is not the same as it was 10 and 20 years ago where you had to be this 21 to 35 year old artist people are now having they're having a renaissance of sustenance they're tired of the super auto-tune sounds and not understanding the lyrics people are are researching where these samples are coming from and the versus battles are reminding people that man i really like keith sweat i want to see him on tour again i really like jodeci you know and you're starting to see the originals of these 80s and 90s yeah, artists I think, I think versus brought that out because a lot of people would say all they has been they was a popular 80s or 90s group or not i do think that versus has helped put some of the I would say some of the pioneers, some of the legends, some of the old ones, put them back on the map. And I think that it has no respect of person when it has came to age. I think that everybody who has touched the versus stage has seen their career grow more since doing it. Absolutely. It's like a time capsule and people are opening up the time capsule because, you know, the country wants realness and the music that they heard they're appreciating that there was an originality to it, that there was, that's the original recipe. And the generation that's now listening to those songs grew up with these songs and they're hearing their kids hear basically, you know, modulated versions of these songs. They're like, that's not how it went. Let me play this back for you. And then <laughs> social media has allowed people in their forties to have that energy and zest of the 20 year olds say, hey, we created these dances. These TikTok dances aren't new. You're just doing what we did without the cameras. And, mm-hmm. and so I mean, people are living longer. You know, their social media has allowed people to, people are more interested in what regular families are doing. And they don't have to see a sitcom to be entertained. They can sit down for an hour and watch TikTok videos of everyday family members just living their life and being creative with special apps that's done on, you know, your phone. Mm-hmm. Well, words of wisdom from Mr. Antonio, oops, from Mr. Angelo Blakely. Do you have any last words that you would like to give everybody and a release date when they can find your um, your album that's coming out? The Ish is coming out April 15th. My website is www.angelobmusic.com. It will be on all platforms. However, there will be more exclusive content on the website version than there will be on the Apple's and iTunes version. And okay. um, there are probably about 13 songs on the iTunes version, but probably 16 songs on the on my website version. Okay. Well, y'all heard him. You can find his music on all streaming platforms. So you can find the little extra tidbits on the website, angelob.com. You can find us on all podcasts and platforms. You can find us on YouTube. And now you can find the video blog on, I mean, the video uh, podcast on anchor.fm exclusively to Spotify. Bye.